Calling all hotheads. Welcome back to a slightly less train wreck, slightly more sober episode of the Hotheads Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Andahazy, straight out of rehab. Joined as always by my biggest hotheads. The man who uh, knows how to push all the buttons, Mike Giannetti, and the self-proclaimed angry Muppet, John Zagarella. What's going on, fellas? (laughs) You are an angry, angry Muppet. (laughs) I am never going to live that down, huh? Hey, never. man, you said it. Of course, I think we said a lot of things that no one remembers from last week. Yeah, well, it's a good thing nobody listens. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we have a long one here for you, so let's, let's hop right into it. This is the uh, – the... What are words Jimmy's never said to a woman? <laughs> yes. Hey, yes. How long have you been Jeopardy that champion. One? Yeah. Good stuff. Well, this video is the uh, <laughs> the long teased, long awaited NFL mock draft. I think the thing that we've been talking about since I don't know January. I think we even made it a, a first pass at this a few months back. So, you know, this is a this is becoming a great time of year. We're uh, we're about a month from the actual NFL draft. Uh, you know, so I think we operate into this. Um, you know, what we're going to do for you today is, you know, we're going to. Run down the list. We're going to give you round one this week, and uh, we'll follow on from there. Talk a little bit about what the teams are, what the teams need. John's going to throw out a pick. Mike, hopefully, is going to argue with him. And, uh, you know, we'll sprinkle in some fantasy impact, fantasy advice along the way. Does that sound, uh, sound good? Anything to add uh, there, John? Um, yeah, well, there's not going to be much fantasy advice in round one because there's very little, to, there's very little offensive uh, players going in round one. Um, just put it out there like this draft right now, we're operating under the assumption that the Arizona roster as constructed is the roster they're going into the draft with. So the, what making my picks I'm picking as if Josh Rosen is still projected to be the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, there's a lot of rumblings, a lot of things catching, gaining steam right now where it doesn't look like Josh Rosen is going to be the quarterback and, Honestly, it'll change some stuff at the top of the draft, but we have a month beforehand. Right. This is a no trade as is roster as is draft. So there will be changes. There will be I will do a, a trade uh, a trade um, mock up probably in the next two three weeks. But you know, before you guys, ah, well, I was always going to take Kyler Murray at number one, and you have him taking Nick Bosa. <laughs> Relax. We'll get we'll, we'll get the Kyler Murray going number one overall in Arizona, just doing Arizona things out there and doing wrong. But um, we're we're for right now we're operating under the assumption that Josh Rosen and his dumb Eli face <laughs> is going to be quarterback in the Arizona Cardinals Cardinals this year. Yeah. So and again, like like you said, John, we're, we're you know thirty days away. You know, day of there's always a team that that drops out of the the you know first round. Guys want to move up to get their guy. Um, so we'll see that, but it's hard to predict that. So um, the way it's on paper today is today where we're going to go with it, and it'll change. So uh, you started to allude to it already. So the, the, the team on the on the board right now was the uh, formerly 3-13 and Arizona Cardinals, um, who just – they just need absolutely everything. I mean, from an offensive line, obviously, they, they're not trusting their quarterback needs there. Um, you know, they have – you know, wide receiver needs because you know, you know the guy we all love isn't going to be around forever. Um, you know, and, and some defensive help, but really a team that just needs to rebuild all around. So, where are you thinking here with the first pick? 
All right, so Arizona this year, I mean, it's a bad year for them to be picking one because most years you have a quarterback that you could just nail in at the one pick. You have an offensive tackle that you can argue is the number one pick. You have a ton of players available. There's really only one clear-cut number one pick this year for me in the draft. He is getting – after the combine, Josh Allen has really scor- like scorched up the boards. But if you guys remember when we gave a pass at this about two months ago, Josh Allen was my number two pick anyway. So I had him argue, arguably the best edge rusher in the draft behind Bosa. I have San Fran – or I'm sorry, Arizona taking Nick Bosa. Uh, it's just I just feel like he's the most clear-cut NFL-ready player in this draft. So, you know, he's quick. He's very fast in short spaces. Uh, you know, the, the bench press – Shows you how he's going to be able to get off interior blocks when he's when he's stunning on the inside. He's got that quick speed to the outside, so he's just he's just a prototypical edge rusher for today's NFL. So I really like Nick Bosa. I really like Nick Bosa to go number one. And I said this before. I don't really know if it would matter who's picking one. I think Nick Bosa goes there until Kyler Murray goes. There. <laughs> until Kyler Murray goes there, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like right now, Arizona has a first round pick on as at quarterback on their roster, so. If I'm doing a mock draft with Josh Rosen still on the Arizona Cardinals, it's stupid to put Kyler Murray on that team. That being said, Dave Gettleman is the GM of the New York Giants, and I'm <laughs> guessing the sixth pick is in play for Josh Rosen. You know, why not trade up four spots for a guy that was a bust at 10? God so. help us all. Yeah, well, well you know. it's really hard to <clears throat> say anything or argue. Nick Bosa is pretty much a, a surefire number one. Even I know that. So, uh, you know, looking at San Francisco now, I mean, that's another team that actually does have quite a few needs, even though they've been doing a lot of work. They're already kind of into their rebuild. So uh, what are you thinking for San Francisco at number two? So this might be actually my favorite player in the draft is Josh Allen. You know, tall, long, 6'4", 230, super quick. Um, he's not the prototypical edge rusher to go up against your your your, your top-of-the-line offensive tackles. He has more success going against tight ends. You know, he's another guy that works good in short spaces. But that first step off the line, the burst is uncanny, and it's unmatched by anybody in this draft. So Josh Allen's a guy that's going to go in day one, immediately start for you on the strong side ru- edge rush, and he's going he's gonna to pay dividends for you right away. San Francisco doesn't necessarily need a fr- uh, defensive end. They need everything. So at this point, when, you ha- when you're vast for that need, even though John Lynn says they've filled all their needs in free agency. <coughs> but, um, you know, you take the best available player. And Josh Allen is – you could argue he might be the best player in this draft. But I don't know if he's as NFL-ready as Nick Bosa. That's why I give Nick Bosa the edge. So I'm going Josh Allen, too, to San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, that certainly helps. San Francisco is a hard team to read based on their season last year, riddled by, by injury offensively, which, you know, you just, you just don't know what you're going to get coming into this season. So I'm with you. I think you let those offensive players play. You have, uh, you know, short up at the running back spot. Still need by, a the way, by the way, yeah, that's what I was about to say that. They could use a guy like DK Metcalf or my favorite receiver in the draft, A.J. Brown, but I, I just taking a receiver at two is so much draft capital, so much franchise capital. Like it's it's just I don't know, man. I just John Lynch is a gambler and he's he's claiming that all the needs are filled, so maybe he does it. But I just feel like that's a that's a huge risk to take for a position that you can really get value in the mid rounds. It's pretty obvious to everybody at this point that defense is uh 
defense is really going to shine in this draft. Um, I'm really curious to see how it will shake out as far as quarterbacks are concerned. I mean, they, they tend to be more valuable even when they're maybe not the pedigree of what you normally get, only because when you need one, you need one. But, uh, you know, obviously San Francisco does not need a quarterback. I think that they're going to do the right thing and they're going to take the best player available. And and just like we just said, they they do basically need everything. Offense is, is not a place to go at the number two pick here, uh, unlike no. last year. Not, not in this draft. Yeah, not in this yeah, draft. Yeah, last no. year there was a very clear cut, you know, a very not so much a clear cut number one because a lot of people had Sam Darnold going number one. But um, it was pretty much – you know, I mean, Saquon was was going to be a top three pick. There was no doubt about that. So, this is a very different year. There just isn't that caliber of player, um, even at wide receiver. Just DK Metcalf. I, I don't think he's a top five pick. That's just my own personal feeling. All right. Yeah. So we just saw two edge rushers go, and we move on to the Jets, who probably could have needs in that same uh, that same space. Um, you know, kind of an in, inconsistent up and down Sam Darnold so would would uh, be really good to put some playmakers around him, shore up his offensive line. So where are you going to number three? All right, so the Jets do have a needed edge rusher. The Jets also have a needed defensive line, offensive line. Um, their Jets have done amazing in free agency. But I see a guy like Quinnen Williams. I just can't pass him up. If, I, if, I, if I'm the Johnson family – I tell McCagnan, if Quinn Williams is on the board when we pick, he has to be the pick. You know, I guess I, I, I get interior linemen, I guess as they're called now, D-tackles, nose tackles, whatever you want to call them. You know, this is a guy that's had success in a pro-style defense down in Alabama. Alabama is a defensive factory for the NFL. It just keeps putting guys in the NFL, three, four guys every first round every year. So you look at this guy, he's, he's a little bit shorter than you like your interior lineman. He's 6'3". You like your interior lineman, 6'4", 6'5", even up to 6'6", to get up in the passing lanes when they're not getting home to the rusher. You like these guys that tie up two linemen to free up your linebackers to make the tackles in the hole. Quinn Williams does all that. He's, he's a little bit shorter than you like, but he's got the wingspan. He's got the strength to tie up a center and a guard. He's got the strength to tie up a guard and a tackle. He will be a guy that makes plays. He'll stop the run. He'll shut down the middle. He'll force things to the ed- force things to the edges for the linebackers and the, the edge rushers to clean up. So I think Quinn Williams is going to have a have a great run in New York. I really like this kid. I, you know, th- there's another like I'm going to say this about six or seven guys in this draft. This is another guy you could argue could go number one, but yeah, it's just how NFL ready is he? I think he's right there i think he's a guy that's going to have a little bit of growing pains but he's he's not that far off of being able to dominate the nfl game his first year out so the only question i have as far as the jets are concerned they got their shiny new toy mr Le'Veon bell um one of the things that concerns me is that the jets offensive line is not the steelers offensive line and uh you know will they be concerned at all that uh you're going to get a lot of you know runs for negative yards behind that line. Should they be thinking about a guy like Jawan Taylor this early? Is it stupid to go this early on an offensive lineman like him? No, it's not stupid to go this early on Jawan Taylor. But my thing is, if you're the Jets and you're worried about your big shiny new toy getting negative yard runs, then why just pay all that money? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you paid money for Le'Veon Bell to do Le'Veon Bell things. The Steelers line isn't all that great. Ben Roethlisberger gets the shit kicked out. He does. Like, he, get, he gets hit 
Every if play. he wasn't the Jolly Le'Veon, Green Giant, Le'Veon he would Bell. be pretty much hobbled at yeah. this point. Le- Le'Veon Bell makes Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers line wasn't all that great. Uh, I mean, Villanueva, I believe he was a converted tight end. And he's their best tackle. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Pouncey's their best lineman. He's their center. If your center's your best lineman, that, that's usually not a great thing. <laughs> Like not not I'm not like being sarcastic, but like you you want your best you you want your best offensive lineman being your blindside tackle. Absolutely. And if it's right. your center, I mean you want your smartest lineman to be your center. You want your best lineman to be your tackles. So um you know, you wouldn't be wrong, Mike. Like if, if Jawan Taylor went to three into the Jets, I wouldn't be surprised. Um I just don't know if you can Juwan, can I, you pa- can you I, pass I, up the talent of a of a of a Keenan Williams? Yeah. I no, that's on that. You're absolutely right there. The, the 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 gap in talent is so great between Williams and Taylor. Right, so, right, and obviously different positions, different sizes of the ball. Well, but, the Jets, the Jets still have a need at that position anyway. So it's one of those things where you know you're not going to sacrifice uh, talent to fill in a, a bigger need. And I don't even know if that's necessarily a bigger need for them at this point. Uh, offensively, I I just feel like they're they're going to be feeling pretty good about themselves and. And they'll just work it out later on down the draft. So it makes total sense this yep. pick. All right, moving on to uh, Oakland, who has I think this is their their first of three. Um, they've kind of killed it. I mean, they had a lot of needs. Obviously, they, they were awful last year. It was like they were tracking course to just Gruden not giving a shit about football anymore. But kind of kind of made some big moves. You have Antonio Brown short up the wide receivers. Um, I mean, I don't I don't love Carr there, but. It's who they're working with, um, you know. I, so, what are you thinking here, John? All right. So, I have Oakland still needing a lot, um, primarily defensive line, edge rusher, um, linebacker, any anything on the defensive side of the ball. Oakland needs, and most of the stuff on the offense, offensive side of the ball. I mean, the offensive line is pretty stable. Um, there's kind of a mesh problem between Carr and Gruden that I'm waiting to see how this plays out. They're not going to go quarterback here. They're they're not going to go defensive back here. You think they'll wait? I have, they'll probably wait a year before they try and figure out the quarterback position. You know, see what see what Carr can do with with, you know, players that can actually I I guess, you know, perform on the field. So Well, if Gruden was smart, which I'm starting to doubt he is, <laughs> um he would let Derek Carr play with Antonio Brown for a year, let Antonio Brown inflate Derek Carr's value, right. move Derek Carr for an early to mid-draft pick next year, and move on to his quarter. Because next year's draft is very rich. And say what you want, the, the Raiders aren't going to be a very good team next year. They're not going to go from, what are they, 4-12? and 4-12, and yep. Like, to 12-4. and four. It's just not going to happen. They're clearly the worst team in that division. I mean – there's, there's no other way around it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you could argue maybe they're better than the Broncos. I don't know. I, if you have to argue it, then, yeah, they stay. <laughs> but, um, so I have Oakland jumping on the best linebacker in the draft, Devin White from LSU. So this is another kid. LSU always puts, like, freak athletes into the league. Um, Devin White. No difference. So, I, I I really like – I think he's going to be the guy that's going to quarterback that defense for you. You know, a little bit undersized, but super fast, six foot 240. Um, 
he's he seems to be able to find the open space in the offense to make the play. He seems to be able to, I, I don't want to call it, like it's a sixth sense. He just kind of feels the play before it happens. It kind of looks like, because he always seems to be getting to the hole at the same time as the ball carrier, or he's in, in, in route to the open space where the, the receiver or the tight end sitting. So the kid's got great football instincts, I guess you could say. And he's got, he's got tremendous speed. It, the only thing you got to worry about with this guy is some of the comments he's made before the draft, how, he wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL when his rookie contract's up. So then you, you worry about the holdout. You worry about the attitude. You worry about the ego. And then you start to think about the guys that are in this room right now. And that could be a problem. But Devin White, as far as football ability goes, there's nobody better in the draft at linebacker than him. Okay. All right. No arguments. So moving on to uh, Tampa Bay. Buccaneers need – Except for maybe this guy, Devin Bush out of <laughs> out of Michigan. Same position, same first name, a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter, same instincts, really fast, hard hitter, and he and he and he's he excels in pass coverage, which is something you want out of your linebackers in today's NFL. You need them to shut down the guys like uh Travis Kelsey and you know, people of that ilk. So Tampa Bay playing in a division with you know, Cam Newton playing in the division with Drew Brees. Um, and, you know, the, the Atlanta Falcons always have a, have a high-flying offense. You need linebackers that can excel in pass coverage. And Devin Bush Jr. out of Michigan is a guy that could do that. So I have Tampa taking Devin Bush here. So, you know, another, another need for Tampa, again, another team with a lot of needs. Uh, you know, edge rusher, you're probably looking at maybe like Rashawn Gary here possibly. Um, Bush. I don't think I don't necessarily think Tampa needs an edge rusher. They, I mean, they they still have JPP on their contract. They've signed. They they have three or four guys on edge rusher in a rotation. I mean, right they're now. using that kid from uh, that they got from Cleveland last year. Um, he made some hay a little bit. I can't remember his name. Uh, the one that was on Hard Knocks talking about Moneyball or whatever. Uh, you know, compounded interest. Yeah, the Giants quarterback's yeah. brother. Um, Can't remember his name. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Carl Nassib. That's it. I couldn't remember it for some reason. Uh, yeah, Carl Nassib. I, you know, they were using him uh, last year a little bit. And they were using, uh, like, a combination of guys on the other side of JPP. And, and they were having a little bit of success. But, I mean, I don't necessarily know if that means – I mean, what do you think about a guy like Rashawn Gary? I mean, you know, from Michigan – He's. I love Rashawn Gary. I have Rashawn Gary going next to the Giants. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, that, <laughs> see, that's <laughs> – so that, let me ask you a question. Before we move on to the Giants, talking about Tampa Bay, could Tampa Bay, yep. you know, kind of want to <clears throat> pair him off with JPP and just, you know, dominate defensively that much more? I mean, they were – you know, if I, if I um, remember correctly, I would, Tampa I would Bay say was yes. getting – destroyed defensively um, by wide receivers, I think, last year. I, I can't remember exactly what the big – I was picking on Tampa Bay's defense a lot with uh, with my fantasy players. Um, I mean, I they were like the, like the 31st-ranked defense, and I think they had yeah, a total was, of nine interceptions as a team. So I think that, that tells you that they need a lot to yeah. linebacker secondary. Yeah, it makes well, sense then to go linebacker. The one thing, the the one thing that you have to look at with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is they do have a lot invested in their defensive line. You know, you got Gerald McCoy, who you paid big money to. Um, wow, that's weird. 
the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want to keep their depth chart secret. I just I must sign up for team notifications. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Hashtag no one gives a shit. You know, usually this time of year they don't uh, they don't post the depth Beat chart. Beat it, nerd. All right, so um, <clears throat> starter. I, I, this is from. This has to be from like 1930. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 such a, it's such a secret website. No one knows they have it. Yeah, so they drafted Noah Spence. Don't forget Noah Spence. They have um, Shaq Barrett. They just signed. They have Jason Pierre-Paul. They have Carl Nassib. They also have a ton of money tied up in their in their defensive line with Gerald McCoy mm. and Vita Villa, another first round. Yeah, pick. he was he was a good pick so, last year. I remember that guy. So you know, it's it's all well and good to say they weren't getting home, but it's also. You got to look at what's on that roster. I, I, I look at linebacker for them. Levante David's still pretty decent, but that's now, all. Could they, they you know, they did just sign Dion Buchanan, but he's more of a hybrid safety, strong safety linebacker than an actual true linebacker. Right. But now here's the other question Could they get kind of radical? I mean, again, we just said that, uh, you know, 31st ranked against, uh, you know, passing. Could they go? Like, would it be crazy to go greedy Williams this early in the draft? Um, yes, because I think greedy Williams, uh, along with a couple of the other corners, Buda Baker is one of them. Um, I think they kind of hurt their stock at the combine. Mm-hmm. None of them particularly ran great 40s. Um, they were a little lacking on the ball skills. Now, like I say, the underwear Olympics doesn't really show how you are on the field. It just measures some of the stuff that people need to figure right. out. Um I still think Greedy Williams is one of the best players in this draft. I don't think he did himself any favors at, at the combine, though. So I think that's going to hurt his draft stock. A gotcha. Bit. Mm-hmm. So five up, five defensive players down. That's like, man, kind of boring. All right. You already, <laughs> and you already alluded to the sixth pick here with, with the, our favorite topic, the New York Giants, and all of the excellent things they've been doing so far in the offseason. So I'll just let you two go with that. Well, I'm not really going to get into this pick. Uh, just, just kidding. So, Rashawn Gary is interesting to me for a couple different reasons. Um, you know, coming out of Michigan, he's 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 played in the Big Ten. He's played against pro style offenses. He's he's played against. Uh, quarterbacks that one quarterback in particular that's going to be going in the first round. He's going against a couple uh, a couple pro ready offensive tackles. The thing that gets me with Rashawn Gary, I'm just going to pull up his dimensions for you real quick. Six four two eighty one. Yep. What bothers me is the burst isn't as prominent as you would like. He's got great upper body. He's got great hands, gets, gets tackles off him. But I like to see that first step off the line a little bit faster than he is. Um, the good thing about him is he's able to shift down that line really quick. He can get from A gap to C gap, C gap very fast. Uh, and depending on where he's put, where he's li- asked to line up. And in James Betcher's system, your edge rusher is going to be asked to line up anywhere from nose tackle to – Weak side linebacker, so got to have flexibility. He seems to have that. He's he does have a pretty massive wingspan. I think his wingspan was almost seven feet. So <clears throat> that's great. Wow! You want that really long, really 
like strong upper body with your edge rushers. So I, I really like Rashawn Gary here. Um, All right. So I'm going to take the stance. I, I listened to a little bit of uh, New York sports radio today. And I, I haven't really been doing that lately because they, they make me want to drive my car into oncoming traffic. Cause they're terrible, horrible. <laughs> But, um, you know, they've, they've been talking a lot about the, the New York football giants uh, and all of the amazing moves that they're making. So, Which one's um, – wait, what? One of the, Did I miss some? <laughs> yeah. It's all sarcasm. Everything I just said, that was uh, – every bit of it. I didn't go into sarcasm font. But they have been talking about the giants a lot and all the moves. And one of the things they were talking about, uh, what was it, uh, on Humpty and Rothenberg and uh, Canty. One of the things they talked about today was if, if, you know, if Kyler Murray or sorry, not Kyler Murray, if Haskins is available at six, if he doesn't get drafted by one of the teams in front of the Giants, you know, are they making a mistake not to go quarterback at that at that particular spot? And and they were just talking about Haskins. Now we're talking about Kyler Murray would be available, according to this mock draft, to the Giants. Do the Giants really just blow past? The, their pick at quarterback in this draft? I think that Dave Gettleman doesn't like the quarterbacks in this draft at all. Uh, I could be wrong. Nobody seems to know what this guy's doing. I don't know. Like, he has a plan. I don't – I mean, we're not privy to it, and that's great. Keep it close to your vest. The last GM told everybody in the world what he wanted to do, and it never worked out because everybody's like, all right, well, guess we got to trade ahead of the Giants. Yeah, so, I guess so. Um, I mean, I could see them going Haskins here. I, I could see that if Murray's on the board, I could see them going Murray. I just – I don't think Gettleman – I think Gettleman had all his eggs in the Herbert basket this year. And when Herbert said he's going back, I think he just got off the quarterback train. I don't think he's going to – I don't think he's going to draft the quarterback. I, I just don't. So, John, John and I have actually already discussed this already. We both kind of – you know, I asked John. I'm like, if they decided not to address quarterback early in the draft this year, will you be upset about it? John's response to me was, no, I will not be upset based on what we got going on next year. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about it, I'll be honest. If, if you don't believe that, that Haskins or Murray or Drew Locke can, can become a franchise quarterback, then there's no reason to, to waste uh, such a high pick, especially in a draft that is so rich in other needs. You're rebuilding the defense of this team, and this is a defense-heavy draft. Like take advantage of it. And, we- weapons know, and a good defense help a young quarterback. You know, you've you've already got a, premier, a you know the premier running back on the offense. You're going to run it through him anyway. So hopefully you're not throwing the ball around that much. Regardless, the offensive line has has basically taken a, uh, I think a couple of really big strides forward. We haven't talked about Zeitler at all. That was actually a halfway decent trade that removed a bunch of cap and got us a a, a pretty good you know. A, a pretty good offensive lineman in my estimation. So, you know, things are going to be a lot different and we'll see what happens. And hopefully, you know, we're going to be picking high enough to get one of those big, badass quarterbacks next year. And now we can stop talking about the, the Giants. Well, this is, to be honest with you, <laughs> I think that if there's a Giant, if, if both of the quarterbacks are on the board at six and the Giants aren't in love with that quarterback, I could see the Giants trying to trade back with the Miami Dolphins and trying to pick up Miami's first-round pick next year. Yeah, so we, we, I, had, I had brought up to you guys um, 
pre-show that maybe maybe we should talk about teams most likely to trade up, and and honestly, that's the the team that comes to my mind first would be Miami. Um, I don't know if they would trade with the Jets, being a division rival and all that. So you know, who makes more sense? Maybe Tampa Bay. Uh, definitely, definitely us. I could see us doing exactly that. It would make perfect sense. I mean, if you're the Giants and you're not in love with the quarterback right now, and with as rich as defense is in this draft, moving back from six to thirteen isn't all that awful. You have two picks within four picks, and if you could pick up a first round, an extra first round pick next year from a team that's not going to be very good, so you could be possibly picking right. up a top five pick next year. I think that would be the way to go. But this is in the trade draft, so I have the Giants take it with Sean Gary, Ed, Ezra out of Michigan, at the sixth pick. And um, speaking of the quarterbacks, Jacksonville at seven, I have them popping the offensive cherry of the draft and taking Kyler Murray. I I really like that move a lot yeah. just because, I mean, yes, everybody's going to be like, wait a second, they signed Nick Foles, blah, 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 $80 million. Guess what? Nick Foles is no spring chicken. He might not be the answer. They definitely upgraded on Blake Bortles by signing Nick Foles, but it would definitely behoove but did, them but to did get they re- somebody else in there. Did they really? I mean, in a, in a way. We've, seen this, way. we've I, seen this story before, man, and I – the truth is, he's he, Nick Foles is probably just as accurate as Blake Bortles, which is not saying anything. The, this guy, Blake Bortles, was probably one of the the. I mean, so easy. I, I'm not a real big football guy, but even I could tell you, if I'm a defensive guy, we're going to focus all of our attention to the you know interior of the field, make him throw it to the outside because he couldn't throw a ball to the outside to save his and, life. And that's the problem with Kyler Murray. He's he's accurate-ish. Is that a word? He's accurate-ish. He's a- accurate enough. Some, somewhat accurate. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he he's more of a throw to the catch than throw to the yards after catch. You know, he's a guy that like with a guy like Leonard Fournette, he's going to really help him because that's going to be a very high-powered run game. You know, right? Because Kyler Murray does offer you a lot in the passing game, offers you just as much in the running game, so it's going to open up roads for Leonard Fournette. I think if Kyler Murray is drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's at least two years before he sees action, which right. is with something with a quarterback as unpolished as him needs. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, but that, that's what for, – for him, he needs to go to a place where there's already a quarterback that's not the guy, but he's the guy right now. Right, probably good enough. So Foles is a stopgap, probably good enough to, you know, maybe show him some ropes and – but there's just so many other needs there on offensively, right? I mean, you talked about Fournette, but he's never on the field. And there's no other real – they need offensive line help. They need tight ends. They need wide receivers. So, I mean, I guess it's fine because you're not going to be throwing them out in the field right away anyway. They'll just – they'll recognize who Nick Foles really is. He'll be there a couple of years, and then you have a couple more years to suck and, you know, kind of rebuild an entire offense. Yeah. All right. Definitely an interesting so, but pick. Pe- people can't you can't factor in the the special nature of those Eagles teams that Foles took over. Like, you know, there was just something working for those teams, and yeah, I guess Nick Foles had a lot to do with that. But I mean, we've seen it before. Like, you are who you are. Like, it, it, you don't just all of a sudden wake up one day and you know you're one day you're John Kitna go to bed you wake up the next day you're Peyton Manning it doesn't happen it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's just it's just not not possible and and you know the, you know you have to look at the past and just say that 
you know, Philadelphia traded him away. Um, he he had a chance to make it work in St. Louis at the at the time. I think you you told me, John, it wasn't L.A. then. Yeah, it was St. Louis. Uh, right. Yeah, it it didn't work out. Name um, the coach. He ended up moving. Name the coach. Yeah. Name the coach. Oh, Jeff Fisher. Nope. Was it Jeff Fisher? Nope. There? Try again. I have no idea. Oh man, you're the worst Giants fan ever. <laughs> I don't know who it was. Spagnolo. Steve Spagnolo. Was it Spagnolo? Yeah. Oh my God, that was his year. Yep. Ugh. Okay. Wow, Jeff Fisher might have been better. Anyway, who's captain eight and eight? Ugh. This that is some that is some eight and eight shit right there. Uh, yeah. No kidding. All right. All right, Jimmy. Get so we got our first track, offensive player. First offensive player off the board. We're moving on here. Going to uh, – we're going to Detroit. Jeez. Um, where do we begin with Detroit? <laughs> what so, is something so, nobody um, ever says? Yeah. <laughs> we're going to Detroit. <laughs> we're going to Detroit. Yeah, man. Just another lot of – like, need offensive line help there. Uh, need some, some offensive weapons, but also struggled, you know – different aspects of defense. So again, kind of rebuild new coach. Um, so, so what we got going on here? All right. So in my first mock draft I did, I had greedy Williams going here. Um, since then they've lost Ziggy Ansett. Well, they haven't lost him cause he hasn't signed anywhere else. Yeah. He might still come back, but when you got a freak like this in the draft, you say bye to Ziggy Ansett, let him go sign somewhere else. And you draft Montez sweat six, five, two forty, super fast out of his stance. Great hands, always fighting. Um, he does have a little bit of the health issue, but doctors have said that they don't see that being an issue. He's played with it for a long time. Uh, he is more of a traditional hand-in-the-dirt guy, but he's passable in pass coverage if you need him to drop out. But Detroit isn't drafting this kid to cover tight ends. They're drafting him to hit the quarterback, and they're drafting him to get in Aaron Rodgers' face. They're drafting him to get in Mitch Trubisky's face, and they're drafting him to laugh at you know, Kirk Cousins when he throws the ball 95 yards over two of the best receivers in the NFL sense. So uh, Montez Sweat, this is a guy that's flying up draft boards, great combine. He was probably one of the – one of, if not the top gainer from the combine. So I have uh, Montez Sweat going to Detroit at eight. I actually like this pick a lot. Uh, really hard to argue it. I think that uh, Patricia is definitely going to be going defense with his first pick. <laughs> No doubt, and this is exactly the kind of guy that he's going to want to put onto his uh, onto his defense. So, I agree with that. All right, well, so, move, that's yeah, I like it. Uh, Buffalo Bills coming up next. So Josh Allen's had some some flashes of life last year, um, but you know I just got to just looking at this list of of folks they newly surrounded him with. All right, so you have yeah, John Brown, crazy. Cole Beasley. Um, Frank, yeah. If by the way, firepower. If I was the owner of the Bills or the GM of the Bills, I would have cut Cole Beasley's ass after those comments. He's a, he's a clown. Go record another shitty rap album, you bum. (laughs) Uh, But you know, he's also uh, Josh Allen's a guy going going back on track here, buddy. Uh, Are we sure about that? Guy who who just just ran for his life a lot last year, and uh, I think he was like you know number one in, in rushing yards on the team. So, Blow the whistle! You know. Blow the whistle! <laughs> <laughs> and just some of those yards ended up being positive, right? Yeah, what do you have here in Buffalo? All right, so I have, uh, to your point, I have Buffalo drafted Jawan Taylor, the the clear winner from the draft or from the combine as far as offensive linemen go. Uh, I had him 
pre-combine ranked as the fifth best lineman in the draft, post-combine as the clear-cut number one. So, um, you know, draft a franchise quarterback, what do you want to do? You want to protect him? Go with a big, nasty guy, strong, just throw some of these premier edge rushers that are coming out in this draft around. So I have Jawan Taylor going to the Bills, the Bills here. And I think it's a really smart pick. Um, the Bills do need a couple things in other places. I don't think they need anything more than they need to protect their franchise quarterback. So you could say D-line is a, a, is a, is a place of more important need for them. I don't think so. I think when you have a guy like Josh Allen, when you have a guy like Sam Darnold, when you have a guy like you know, Baker Mayfield, you want to keep those guys upright. And how do you do that? You put big, mean, nasty guys on their blind side. And that's what you're going to be getting in Juwan Taylor. I think that at this point, the team is is in a position where they just need to build from the trenches out. Um, you know, they're not going to just suddenly throw, you know, sprinkle some some really good, uh, you know, highlight real kind of guys to that team and, and suddenly be good again. It's not going to happen. They just they need to go back to basics. Just, let's just put it this way. We're talking about these edge rushers, right? 6'4", 240, 235. This guy yeah. is the same height. He's almost 100 pounds heavier. Yeah. And he, yeah. So, and he's running 40s and like 4'8". You know, if, for sure. This guy is definitely the right move uh, in this scenario. And you, you're going to be able to build off of him in the future. And that's what really matters. And if you're the Buffalo Bills, this is a guy, I mean, it, it, it remains to be seen. But I feel comfortable putting him at left tackle to start. I'm, I'm, this isn't a guy that I necessarily need to work at right tackle and then transition him to left tackle. This is a guy that might be ready to go to the NFL game as a left tackle. When he was at Florida, did he play left tackle? He was, was a le- he... he was a left tackle in Florida. Yeah, so, I mean, why not? What's he? Re- <clears throat> Excuse me, the truth is, what is he – <clears throat> what are you looking at that in that division? You're looking at, you know, the Jets. You're looking at uh, New England. And you're looking at Miami, all of which, you know, I, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I, I feel like he would he would survive at a left tackle in that division. Yeah. More importantly, Josh Allen would survive with him at left tackle. Yeah. There you go. So, there you go. That's what Josh Allen needs. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. He's your guy. You, you want to protect his blind side. All right. So uh, Broncos, story of another quarterback. The uh, the guy of their future is Joe Flacco, apparently. Um, so <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to guess the next pick, even though I have seen your picks already. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to guess. This, this, is, <laughs> this is who I would have guessed anyway. This has to be Dwayne Haskins here, right? Absolutely. I mean, this guy. Big arm. This guy. Big arm. Absolutely. Thin air. You know, Midwest kid. Coming out of he, Ohio, he just looks built for for Denver. Like he really does. I, I so impressive at that I don't pro know, man. day. Fat kids don't breathe so so well in the in the thin air. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's Sean figured out in Tahoe. Yeah, I, I almost died on top of a mountain at eleven thousand feet. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> I had a good time, dude. I went up to Pikes Peak like two years ago, Mike, and when we got well, to the top, on, I almost on, Mike, died. Is, is this the story that nobody cares about? It is. <laughs> <laughs> so, now here's the thing with Dwayne Haskins. All right. We know he's got a huge arm. We know he's got the accuracy. What we've learned about him in the last couple of weeks is his football IQ is off the charts. Like, yeah, baby. This guy can see things and process them in real time. Like, 
it, it's it's unreal. Like when you watch interviews with this guy, when you see him breaking down what he's seeing as he's seeing it, it's very impressive. Um, the teams ahead of him that need quarterbacks. It's just a shame that they're not ready to win now. They're not just quarterback away from winning now because I think he would probably be a guy that would go three or four. Maybe even in another year, maybe one. But I think some of the knocks on him are that he's only started, I think, 13 or 14 games. Um, He's got the Ohio State quarterback stigma, even though he's a completely different quarterback than Ohio State's had in, I mean, decades maybe. They, they've they've gone away from the JT Barrett Terrell Pryor running quarterback. This is he's a true pro style quarterback. And even though some ESPN freaking idiots call him more of a runner than a passer, Stephen oh. A. Smith. Oh my god, the the, the kid. <laughs> Josh Allen ran for more games, more yards in a pro game than Dwayne Haskins ran for in the entire season in college. So let's get let's just shit that narrative right down the road. All right. Dwayne Haskins is not a running quarterback. So anybody that's saying that is saying it for one reason, one reason only. We're not going to say it. You can figure it out on your own. Dwayne Haskins is going to be a pro arm. He's goes. He's going to go to Denver, where he's got a, a a pro veteran receiver with Emmanuel Sanders. He's got a big, sure-handed, young and up-and-coming receiver in Cortland Sutton, and he's got he's got a really really good running game behind him. Yeah. yeah, he does. Young running back core behind him. And he doesn't have to start day one. I mean, he could sit a year behind Flacco. Then LA can ship Flacco out, start Haskins. Perfect scenario for him. It really this is. might be uh, the perfect spot. LA actually getting it right. Well, let's put it this way. If Dwayne Haskins is on the board at 10 and LA passes him, then LA should be escorted by security out of the building. I Wow. I mean, Old words right there. Better than getting shot in the back of the head like Tom Brady last month. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, we're not on New England yet. All right. Coming up on the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are a joke, but they need to get, they need quarterback. They need tight end. They need defensive lineman, offensive lineman. Uh, you know, they All right, a lot. So and they're a terrible they're, team, terrible franchise. Thought I'd throw yeah, that out there. The Cincinnati Bengals are my number one example of why relegation should happen. Um, <laughs> you know, they should knock them down to a college program and have Alabama come up and be a pro program. It's not going to happen. Or have a team from the AAF come up. Either way, they're better than the Cincinnati Bengals. It's perfect. Um, I have them taking TJ Hawkinson, tight end from Iowa. Because they seem to be really committed to the Red Rifle. I don't know why, but they are. Um, the linemen on the board here, I don't think they'll take. I don't know why, but I just I just feel like this is kind of a Cincinnati-type pick here. That being said, Hawkinson is a beast. He's a true do-it-all tight end. He can split out. He's got soft hands, brings the ball in. He's able to adjust to the ball in the air. He's also able to be an inline blocking tight end. So he's not that kind of tight end where if he's in the game, you can pin your ears back and go at the quarterback because you know it's a pass. He can do it. He can do everything and he can do everything well. He is a bit young. He is a true sophomore. I'm sorry. He's a red shirt sophomore, but he's big. 6'5", 240. He can, he can match up well with, the, with most of the rush edges in this league with their size and speed. So I do like TJ Hawkinson. 
Um, Iowa is very unique. I mean, they have two first-round talent guys, and they're both tight ends. Really crazy. But Yeah, John, you, you and I talked about him a little bit in, in you know, pre-show, because that was the point I kind of started to make was – you know, you look at the beast we just read off this list, right? You know, I'm talking one, two, three, four edge rushers, you know, yes. and, and there's more in this draft. These there tight are. ends, you know, they, they're losing fantasy value uh, more and more every day because you need to keep this extra guy in there. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to invest the money on a tight end, you, you're investing in a guy that can actually stand in there and take some of these edge rushers on. You're not talking about chip shot. You can't chip shot these guys, right? This isn't throwing yeah. a hand at them and, and then go off to the, you know, you're talking – you need to be in their face. And you know what else I love about this guy? The Jorge Posada factor. He doesn't wear gloves. <laughs> he doesn't wear gloves. Yep. And he's got these great hands. So, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Throwback to uh, your days there, John. Well, we weren't allowed you to wear gloves. Weren't allowed gloves. <laughs> yeah, we weren't allowed to wear gloves. Yep. All right. Pick number 12, Green Bay Packers. All right, so the Green Bay Packers. This is uh, their first two, right? The yep. first of two in the first round. Um, it's going to be when we when we talk about them later. It's going to be more of the same. I have the Packers shoring up that offensive line to protect, you know, the man Aaron Rodgers. So I have them taking Andre Diller, offensive tackle out of Washington State. You know, he's in, you know he's one of these guys, offensive tackle, interior offensive line. Uh, not sure where he's going to slot yet, but he is the at this point in the draft, he's the best. Offensive lineman available. You can make an argument for the kid out of Kansas State, but I, I, I give it to Dillard a little bit here, or Diller, Dillard, I, however you say his goddamn name. Um, you, you, it's the same thing I brought up with Juwan Taylor with Josh Allen. You protect your guy. Aaron Rodgers is your guy. You put a ton of money into him last year. I mean, he's clearly one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football, right? So. Let's make sure that Khalil Mack can't get a free run on him up the middle and bend them in, bend them into a pretzel on the first game of the year. All right, so let's start stacking that line. Let's protect Rogers and let him do Rogers things. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, there you go. A, a move long overdue. I mean, he spent the last two or three seasons banged up, hurt, playing hurt. Because he's, he's got better 50, hurt than he, half the guys. Well, because he he did have a great offensive line at one point. And all those guys are still there. I mean, you guys get old. They get <laughs> slower. Like, I mean, Mike McCarthy just didn't see things the way they were supposed to be seen. And the front office hasn't really made the best decisions over the last four or five drafts. So I, I think building that line from the, from the middle out is, or from the – see, I, I think Diller's going to end up playing inside maybe to start. Maybe he'll move outside, but I think he's going to end up inside – but I still think he's the best choice for the Packers right there. All right, moving on to pick number 13, the Miami Dolphins, another team that's just constantly in the bottom, who is uh, short up their quarterback with Fitzpatrick and uh, <laughs> Fitzmagic, if I say. You just uttered the words, short up their quarterback <laughs> situation with Fitzpatrick. It is the wheel. It is the Fitzpatrick wheel, man. It has happened again. And I, it's very predictable. You just have to move on to the next notch do the, in Dolphin, the wheel. Do the Dolphins play the Patriots week one? Because if they do, I am putting my entire fucking house on the Dolphins to beat the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my, I don't me, know the my, answer to that question. My, but it's... my wife and kids are going to be living in a refrigerator box under a bridge in Trenton. Under Pretty tra- much. Under the Trenton makes bridge. <laughs> so I have Miami actually doing something kind of, kind of smart here. I mean, he is the 50th ranked player in the draft, and they're going to be taking him at 13, but he is the third ranked quarterback in the draft. I have the Miami Dolphins taking Drew Locke here. And now this is a guy, I mean, his pro day was fantastic. I mean, he missed a couple throws, but, you know, everything was on display with this kid. Arm strength, uh, you know, his footwork was impeccable. His athleticism, being able to throw, throw on the run outside of the pocket. I, I was very impressed watching his pro day. Um, again, the football IQ was brought up, but he seemed to be answering all the questions perfectly. So I have Miami taking Drew Locke here. Yeah, I you know what it's it's their biggest need at the moment and they just need to they need to go for it. Um my personal feeling on Miami is that they're going to trade up in this draft and try and get one of the other two guys, but um we will see how that all plays out. If it stays this way, if it you know, goes chalk like this, that would be the best pick available at that moment. So, but I mean that's again a, a team that could probably probably use anything they could go best best player available and i wouldn't argue that it was a bad pick i mean you're talking about a completely uh, uh, an entire regime change there after the adam gaze experiment just uh kind of blew up in their face so um we'll see see what happens there i, I just don't know who this guy's going to throw to i mean that's there, exactly nothing uh, there you know the, apparently they're going to bring back Devonte parker um you know, and they've also got Albert Wilson, who had like one good week or two good weeks <laughs> out of eighteen. Take him up. Uh, whatever. I mean, I'm still, yeah. I'm still pissed off at that. I, I, I'm still pissed off about that week. Uh, you know, <laughs> stupid fan duel. Somebody had him in their lineup. How do you? Well, whatever. Stop. Just go. Move on. <laughs> All right, I'll move on to the uh, Albert to the Wilson. You've Got to be kidding me. Third third string quarter uh, wide receiver from freaking Kansas City scores eighty points in a one week. Okay, sorry. No, he was with Miami. Yes, he was last year, yeah. and he had one amazing week that destroyed my Fanduel lineup. I had the perfect friggin' lineup, except it didn't have him. Clearly, you didn't then. Exactly. So again, is that like the Atlanta Falcons almost losing the Super Bowl? Yes, when exactly. They like won the Bowl, <laughs> exactly like won the Super Bowl. Come on, let's go. All right. Speaking <laughs> of the Atlanta Falcons, almost winning the Super Bowl. You're uh, tweaking me. I think my notes, my notes here say, say defense, defense, defense. Falcons absolutely need – they needed half the guys that just went off the board. Jimmy, did you know so, that Atlanta needed defense really bad? Because yes, they, they do. That's what I said. All right, so good, good I Good thing they're in this draft. I have Atlanta taking a guy that was pre, pre-combine, was maybe a top five pick, probably a top five pick. Um, after, I don't know really what happened. He had a good combine. He kind of slid down the boards a little bit because the interior lineman, he's a little undersized as far as interior linemen go. I have Atlanta taking Ed Oliver. Now, he's a guy with, because he's a little undersized and he has some speed, could thrive in a 3-4 defense. Mm. But he's also the kind of guy, he's strong enough, he's fast enough, he could hold down the middle, he plays the run well. And in pass rush situations, he can get home. So I have Ed Oliver going to Atlanta here to really help that Defense get back on track. Cool. Yeah, they just need whatever. As long as it's a defensive player, Atlanta needs him. So 
that's just do it. Although, if they did take if they did take one of the if the you know, the other Iowa tight end, I wouldn't be incredibly upset about that either. Just because it would be yet another weapon. I I mean, nothing against Austin Hooper, but um, that guy just can't get it done. Um, just one more one more player to uh, help you know take uh, take some pressure off of Julio. They didn't lose games because they couldn't score last year. They lost games because they couldn't get off the field. I mean, they need defense. I, I yeah. just you know personal wish list hopefully down the road they'll they'll find a tight end that can help them out because hooper is not it all right and i agree to that going on to pick 15 redskins um another team that has uh you know they they were they're kind of riddled offensively with injuries alex smith geist down you know, you don't really know what you're going to get back with that they're going to shore up and back up alex smith or maybe start uh case keenan I think they've also lost some uh, defensive players to free agency. What do you have here with uh, the Redskins at pick 15? So I, I have them taking who I affectionately call Captain Underpants. Uh, DK Metcalf absolutely destroyed the NFL Combine this year, similar to what Saquon Barkley did to it last year. Um, so they need receiver. They need receiver help. Josh yeah. Doxson just isn't getting it done. Uh, DK Metcalf is a typical Daniel Snyder pick, very flashy. Big, big, big uh, headlines from the Combine. So this is a typical pick for Watson, the DK Metcalf. Um, you could argue he wasn't even the best receiver in his, on his team last year in college. It's just very similar to the Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry year. You know, when Jarvis Landry was the better receiver in college, but Odell Beckham is clearly the better pro. So I have uh, Washington going to DK Metcalf here. It's exactly the type of, just like you said, it's a Dan Snyder move. I could totally see it happening, and I love every minute of it. Just just continue to take players that will not help your team. I'm totally all about that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, so just a, just a quick recap here, right? We're halfway through this, and I've got you know five offensive players that, that may matter, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, and then seven total offensive players. And, and, and halfway through this, we're, we're mostly defense think that trend probably continues as we get on to pick 16 with the Panthers. Um, again, another team needs a little defensive help. Could use some showing up a wide receiver, probably even tight end at this point. Um, where are you at with the Panthers? So I have Panthers taking Brian Burns, uh, edge rusher, linebacker, hybrid out of uh, FSU. You know, 6'5", 230, quick hands, quick feet, um, strong upper body. Again, I keep saying this like, these guys are all carbon copies of each other. Like it's it's like somebody took, you know, I don't know. I feel like Julius Peppers went and donated sperm some week at a freaking sperm bank and shot out all these kids and they're like donors. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It, it, it's crazy. They're wow. all like mini, they're all like young Julius Peppers. Like it's it's ridiculous. Like every one of these kids, fast hands, fast feet, long arms. Like it's ridiculous. But all right, don't tell me you weren't thinking it. Okay, so. <laughs> Just, just uh, again, just to be the the adversarial voice here. Um, you got Greg Olson. I, I guess he might be coming. It looks like he's going to go back again this year. But regardless of that, would it not make sense to uh, again? I talk about the uh, the other Iowa tight end. Would it not make sense? No, to go it wouldn't. Here? It wouldn't. Not with this team the way it's constituted right now. Um, 
you know, Greg Olson is only reason Greg Olson is involved in that offense because Greg Olson is Greg Olson. Right. The way this offense is being run, it's a very run and shoot, short, short pass, running game. It's it's not a tight end centric offense, and it's not going to be with Cam as your quarterback. It's not going to be with Christian McCaffrey as your running back. So to take this, Noah this Fant- specific this specific offense, I'm yeah. just saying because it has been in the past because of Greg Olson. Yes, but you think it was more? It had more to do with Greg Olson being Greg Olson than it did uh, than the offense and the way that they want to run it. This this offense is going to be run through Christian McCaffrey. I think that you need to slow down the offenses in this division. I think that if you're not going to go the defense here, you have to go offensive line. Offensive line hasn't been a priority of this team in the past. They've been willing to let guys walk, sign guys through free agency. You know, so I don't see them investing draft capital here to pick one. I do think Brian Burns at 16 is a is a, a steal because he's a guy that can clearly go top 10, maybe even top six. So – Hint, I mean, hint, would there, hint. What, could there could there be an argument for Jonah Williams here? Only because you're looking at you're looking at Cam. He's got this banged up shoulder. He just keeps getting destroyed. Um, you know, maybe they're taking for granted the fact that he's so gigantic that he can absorb some of the hits that he, he ends I, up I think inevitably NFL, taking. I, I think you could make an argument for Jonah Williams, but I think NFL teams are looking at Jonah Williams as a guard. Okay. I think he's got short arms, and I think they're starting to get scared off of that. I think that, you know, all the strength and footwork in the world, if you can't get your hands out, you're going to yeah. get beat. It's so. a shame because he has got – his footwork is just – Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> it's smooth. It's He's really smooth. Dude, that was one of the I, – I, yeah, I, right. there's not much I can say about Mike, it. Mike, Watching Eric Flowers yeah. for so long. I Keep just, it in your pants, you know, Mike. Just saying. <laughs> That bunny hop that Eric so. Flowers does, though. No, well, how about when he gets beat so bad he just sticks his foot out to trip the guy in the end zone? Hey, for enjoy, enjoy on the, Eric on Flowers. On the first play of the goddamn season, you get beat so bad that you trip somebody in the end zone for a safety. And he got he's got signed. He's got a job. He's got a job Washington. again. Washington. He's got a job again. Yes, they pay him to play football. I, him playing for Washington will be the most contribution that any Jerry Reese draft pick other than Odell Beckham has done for the Giants. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful segue to the next pick. And who's oh, picking the Giants number are back on the board. And you who's know the Giants picking the board. Thanks for eight. to the Browns. Yes. Sort of a and you know happening. who's you sitting there at number 17? A nice shiny new Corvette of a defensive back. You can easily sit in there. You know what? Let's cut Jack Rabbit. Free up some cap space. Let's take Greedy Williams. Woo! Pair him Wait. up with Sam Beal and call it a day. Hell yeah. I like it. What do you think about that? What do you think about that Giants first round? Rashawn Gary on the edge. Pressures the quarterback. He gets in little Carson Wentz's face. Carson gets all scared. Starts praying to Jesus. Throws the balls up. And there's Greedy Williams to pick it off. I like that. I like the way that sounds. Pressured by Gary. Picked off by Greedy. Love it. Sold me, buddy. You know, we, we talked extensively about Greedy Williams in our last mock draft. We don't need to go into it. The kid's got vision. He's got ball skills. He ran a little bit of a slower 40, and you'd like to see from a, a, a lockdown corner. But, hey, long arms, strong. He gets up in press coverage. It's going to be hard for you to get off of, get off of him. And in the Giants' division, 
He might have a little trouble with Alshon Jeffrey with the size, but there's really not other no other receiver that's going to kill you in that division. Amari Cooper? Yeah, okay. Talk to me week eight when he doesn't have a touchdown. Okay. <laughs> Fucking Amari Cooper. <laughs> oh, that's great. Shut up, Amari All right. Cooper. All right, Vikings are up. I love him. I know. All right. I'm just I letting have, John I, finish his little rant. I have, the, I have the Vikings shoring up their line. They're going to take Jonah Williams here. Um, they're probably going to have to start him at right tackle. I, I still think he's going to move inside. But, they need guards, too, over there. They, yeah. they basically need the entire line. Yeah. So it, I think Jonah, Jonah Williams is going to be a guy. Another guy I was toying with here is Cody Ford, but mm-hmm. you know because he's a true interior lineman. But um, I think they like the flexibility of Jonah Williams. He does have tackle experience. They're probably going to start him inside. So moving on. All right. Moving yeah, on. Nothing to, to say about that. that. That defense doesn't need any more uh, building. They need to. They need to protect the quarterback over there. So it makes perfect sense. Well, they need a quarterback over there. No, I don't. I don't see anything. <laughs> There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, but it, the way you have this out, three of them are already gone, and nobody really liked them that much anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just the wrong it's the wrong draft. It's the truth. It, it really is. If you need a quarterback, this is a terrible draft for you. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of needing a quarterback, Tennessee Titans. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, you, mean, you mean Tannehill and Mariota? That that ridiculous combination is is not going to get it done over there. But man, how hot is Tannehill's girlfriend or wife, whatever she is? I, I don't know what she is, but she is smoking smoke show. I don't know what she is? What is that, what like only mean? you could All say right. the word smoke show and make it sound like you sound like a talk about a dude. What, what was that? I don't know. Smoke show. I'm Smoke a real show. boy. I'm a real boy. Ha ha. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Jesus. All right, yeah. I'm. I have Tennessee taking Cody Ford here. They're. They're. They clearly found something at the end of the season. They're going to be heavy run. Let's build the line. Let's protect Mariota from more nerve damage. Let's open holes to Derrick Henry. Good luck Let, with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, when you have a quarterback that doesn't understand that he stinks at throwing the ball, just what happens. So. Short, short distances. Just so I have short, Tennessee short taking Cody Ford, guard from Oklahoma. You know, he did well, and he did well blocking for a very similar quarterback with uh, similar immobility blocking for Kyler Murray. So I don't know. Tennessee is a team I just have no faith in at all. Uh, you know, I, I really dislike what they decided to do. Like their revamp of their offense this offseason has just been stupid. Uh, I don't like the, uh, the offensive coordinator that they picked up from Green Bay. It just makes no sense. Well, they basically and, just yeah. traded their their OC to Green Bay to be their head coach, and Green Bay said like their quarterback coach to be their OC, right? It's just yeah, it is something dumb. like that. It yeah. is so dumb, and two horrible offenses last year. It makes no sense for either of those two teams. Whatever, and I, honestly, I, I just, completely agree. They, they deserve what they get. So go ahead, have fun with. It. Well, I mean, you got to say what you got to say about like you could. That's that's all well and good, but Tennessee did find something at the end of the season. They found out that they're a running team. I mean, they should be a running team. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to continue to be a running team. It also doesn't mean that Derrick Henry won't suddenly realize that, you know, uh, oh, Dude, I was no, no, really I'm crappy not... for so long. Derrick Henry was a great college running back. He has the potential to be a great NFL running back if they make the right play calls. Like you saw it, like you don't go for two hundred yards back to back to back weeks 
on a fluke. Like Derrick Henry, he's a goddamn linebacker running the ball. He's huge. He's Brandon <laughs> Jacobs. He's Brandon Jacobs with four Beast. five speed. Like he's he just needs to be used properly. Right. Well, that's the thing. I don't have any faith that they will use him properly. So we'll see how it goes. All right, moving on to the Steelers, because I agree. I like Derrick Henry. Drafted him a year, two, three rounds too early, a year too soon. All right, so um, Antonio Brown is no longer a Steeler. You guys didn't know that. So um, these guys are either going to rely on Juju or need wide receiver help. Before you keep going, Jimmy, do do we we have to call your sponsor, Jimmy? I'm I'm hearing the hiccups. I'm hearing the the slurring. Do we need to call your sponsor? I'm I'm good. I thought you were my sponsor. Oh, oh my you're God! Screwed. Oh, please tell me that's not the truth. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> be great. Sponsor for what? The the beer fest? Yeah. Jesus. Damn! Who have oh, I been hey. texting all this time? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! All right. Anyway, so uh, we got Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown no longer a Steeler. Um, Juju is campaigning and lobbying hard. He is basically given Ben unsolicited tug jobs all over social media. Um, I have them filling the backside hole now. Get it? <laughs> oh, it's good. Like what you did with that. Uh, I have them taking and kill Harry out of Arizona state. Um, you know, he's a physical receiver. He can get into those tight spaces. He's got good hands. He's able to put his body between his, between the ball and the defender, which if it sounds familiar, it should because that's exactly the role that Juju Smith-Schuster played for the Steelers the last two years. So with, with Schuster transitioning to that wide receiver one, you need somebody else to fill that physical possession bodied receiver. And Enkiel Harry is the, guy, is the perfect guy to step right in and do that. Yeah, there are three wide receivers um, before, or including that pick, including Enkiel Harry that I think would really benefit Pittsburgh in this scenario. Um, I mean, assuming that they don't – I mean, I, I don't know. You know, they, only they know if they feel like they can absorb this this hit. But uh, I can tell you right now that, that there's a couple of pretty good wide receivers, and this is sort of the right spot to start thinking about it. So, so uh, I, if you guys saw this week, they're actually talking extension with Ben Roethlisberger, which uh, brings I, an interesting point to me. In the New York media – Eli Ranning is done, has been done, get rid of him. In San Diego, they're talking about extending uh, Rivers for another year. They're talking about a three-year extension for Ben Roethlisberger, the I'm guy su- that's probably the most beat up out of all of those guys. Yeah, I'm so surprised by that. I would think that he he would not want to come back after the beatings that he's taken in his career. Um, you know, we made this comment about – we talked about Brett, the Brett Favre-isms. Like Ben Roethlisberger is Brett Favre. He's not going to come off the field until nobody signs him. Like right. he'll play forever. Well, it definitely sounds like they are pandering to his every need and want. So, yeah, it, it it's ridiculous. I'm, and I hate to say it, but I mean, you know, they link the Giants and the the Steelers uh, ownership. Um, you know, Rooney Mara. You know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, yeah, they're. They've, they've been married in. They're basically one giant family. So, yeah, you know, so having such a, a, a ridiculous relationship with your franchise quarterback is not completely foreign to me. I think that's what's going on in New York. I think it's obviously what's happening in Pittsburgh right now. They are, uh, you know, taking, taking a side, and that's the side that they've chosen to take. So makes total sense. 
If you say yep. so, man, that man's kind of beat up. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I'm not he, saying it's a good idea. I just think that it's, you know, I mean, this is another team that if you ask me, you know, needs to start thinking about quarterback too uh, sooner than rather than later. Um, that, that's like that being okay be smart with move, that's though. like it, being okay with Jacoby Ellsbury being your everyday center fielder for the next ten years. It just doesn't make <laughs> so, any sense. <laughs> hey, then maybe they figure next year more options. You keep him. Next guy can learn under Ben Roethlisberger. It's not a bad option, but they don't but have an offensive line. This guy's going to keep getting beat. Is Ben Roethlisberger the type of quarterback that you want your young quarterback learning from? No, he's no, not. definitely his, not. His, his mechanics, his reads, everything's terrible. He's just a very good, bad quarterback. Everything that mean, is good about him is not a teachable thing. You know, yeah. it's you it's mean just standing not. there as long as possible with the football and taking as many hits as possible is, is that's bad. This guy can't get out of the way of the pillow drill. I mean. <laughs> Oh, all right. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the Seahawks, a, a team that we had dead in the water last year before the season. Even started. Yeah, we got that was definitely our worst. Hey, worst you know, we got call from last year. Our bad. A dozen. But um, they still have a lot of needs. I mean, they, they still have a lot of defensive needs, especially in the defensive back. Um, wide receivers, always a, always a gap there. What do you got for the Seahawks? Um, so I have the Seahawks. We think Seahawks. In recent memory, you think defense. You think the, that defensive backfield for so long was so good. Uh, I have them starting to rebuild that. I've been taking Byron Murphy out of Washington. Um, he's a six-foot corner, 175, a little bit on the lighter side. He's really good at mirror coverage. And, man, he's really he's able to play the receiver through, through the receiver's body motions. Um, I think this is another kid that is, you know, he's – Greedy Williams wasn't in this draft. He's the best corner in the draft, clearly. You know, Greedy Williams is, I think, going to be a special guy. Uh, Byron Murphy is going to be very, very, very good. And especially going out in Seattle and playing in that defensive system, I think he's going to excel. So I have uh, Seattle starting to rebuild that, that secondary with Byron Murphy. This kid was born in 1998. I graduated high school in 1998. I feel so old. Okay, sorry. That's all I had to say about that. Thanks, thanks for the input. You're welcome. Yeah. All right, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens. Going on with Lamar Jackson. Man, they need some wide receiver love. They need to teach him how to throw the football. They need um, <laughs> some defensive help. So, here we go. What do you got for the Ravens? So Ravens, uh, you know, you got a quarterback that runs the ball. You just signed Mark Ingram. You got a couple other subpar backs, Gus Allen, Buck, Buck, uh, whatever the hell his name is, Buck it's Allen. Buck <clears throat> uh, you really don't have anything on the outside. So I haven't taken Hakeem Butler out of Iowa State. Um, you know, he his route tree isn't the cleanest of the wide receivers in the draft, but his hands are. I don't want to see he's got great hands. He's got great ball skills. You know, he does seem to drop. He does seem to drop some passes he should catch, but he makes some some plays that he shouldn't be anywhere near. He seems to make them look routine. So this is a guy that, with a quarterback that's going to be doing a lot of scramble drill, can break those big plays up the field, get under the ball, make plays on a quarterback that might not be the most accurate. He'll be able to get the ball. Um, he he is 
one of these guys that like he's going to make a living on the back shoulder fade. He's going to make a living in the red zone, catching that corner route against a smaller cornerback. So, you know, what's the one thing they always used to say about Pusco Burris? You, you, you can't coach height. No. This guy's 6'6". Six, six. You know, he's a big, big wide receiver. So he's going to make his living in the red zone. With, with, a, with a running offense, you're, you're going to need that outside threat, kind of open that box a little bit. And I think he offers it there. You know, this uh, it, it almost bums me out a little bit. Um of a lot of the, the podcasts I listen to, you know, this guy's name has been coming up quite a bit um, as everyone's favorite guy. So I've naturally, you know, been watching a lot of what's, what he's been doing. And he just seems like he's going to be a very good wide receiver in the NFL. If he ends up going to Baltimore, I just don't know if he'll reach his full potential uh, in that offense. So that's the only thing that bums me out about that. But yes, I do think he would be. Well, let, let's put it this way. He's going to have a tough go of it with, uh, Okay. Lamar Jackson, the quarterback. I don't think Lamar Jackson is going to be quarterback there for long. I, I think that's I think usually what ex- happens when you find when you see a guy that you know. It's not everyone can. I mean, unless he takes a step forward, it's definitely going to happen soon. It's, it's RG three two point oh. It's a exactly. different version of the same play. It's so funny that he's being backed up by RG three too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean. Honestly, Akeem Butler, he's the kind of guy that I was kind of hoping would go to, uh, I don't know, like a Detroit or something like that, um, you know, with a, a quarterback who's, you know, more accurate and uh, more of a gunslinger. But it is what it is. You know, I, I definitely see this as, as a, a pick they could and should make. Yeah. So, guys, let me ask you a question. Who took the most sacks last year? Uh, was it Deshaun Watson? Had to be Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. Yes, so Houston's coming up with pick number 23. So I'm going to tell you where I think they have the biggest need. Um, they, you know, Lamar Miller is a serviceable running back. Maybe you can strengthen that, some tight end. But I, I, you know, this is a guy who obviously needs to be protected. What do you think, John? All right. So I have Houston taking um, an interior offensive lineman, Garrett Bradbury. Mm, good pick. Uh, guard out of NC State. You know, he's one of these guys that's very technical. You know, he seems to be like a real playbook junkie. Always kind of, always is in the right spot. Very rarely you've seen him getting beat up the middle. So with a guy like Deshaun Watson, that's exactly what you want. You want to keep that pocket clean around his feet. You want to keep the option to run open, but you want to keep his feet clear, especially with the knee problems. And you want to be able to have, unleash that cannon he has. So I got Bradbury. Going to Houston, uh, you know, starting to re anchor the rebuild of that offensive line. Yep, I, it's exactly what they need. I think it's a, a terrific pick. Smart move. Uh, that takes us back to the Oakland Raiders, who get the next pick to from the Bears for their getting rid of Khalil Mack uh, last season. So, not going to talk about much about them. We know what the uh, Oakland uh, needs are. John, where yet? So. This is what I have the Raiders doing. I have the Raiders using this this extra pick, uh, you know, found treasure, found money, whatever you want to call it, uh, to take Josh Jacobs. You know, there's not really a, a true first-round running back in this draft. But if, if you want to grade Josh Jacobs as a first-round running back, you wouldn't be too far off. He's a guy that Oakland needs. He finishes off that offense. He's a guy that's going to, you know, he'll be able to find holes – that, that Oakland line is still pretty decent. 
especially with the guys they have on the outside. You now you have Antonio Brown. Derek Carr's a little happier. They lost their tight end, but they'll figure something out there. I, I, I think. Uh, I think Josh Jacobs can excel in that Oakland offense with the pieces around him. Yeah, not much to say. I mean, I, I'm curious what, how that's going to going to affect Marshawn Lynch and his decision. He says he's not going to decide whether to come back until after the draft. Thank you very much for that, Skittle Boy. But uh, we'll see if this uh, has any effect on whether or not he comes back. Um, I don't think it should. I, I think that uh, the Raiders should stop being held hostage by players and start telling them, you make your decision or kick rocks. So, you know, it's – this is a good young running back. Uh, if there's a knock on his game, it's that he doesn't have that top-tier breakaway speed. But, I mean, you got a guy that he's short-handed, very little fumbling. You know, he's he, he hard to bring down. He's not going to run away from your faster defensive backs, but he can beat top-end linebackers. So, I, I like Josh Jacobs here at Oakland. With the my, 24th pick. My favorite part of this pick is that it takes him away from the team that's picking next. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good segue. Good segue. You're welcome. Ah, uh, the uh, Eagles. Well, they need a running back. A true, real, actual running back. It's an everyday running back. You already alluded to that. Um, you know, they also, they're losing a lot of free agency defensively. Um, and they have an aging offensive line. So, uh, John, what do you think about that? So I have them taking uh, Dalton Reiser out of uh, Kansas State offensive tackle. Uh, Jason Peters can't play forever. I mean, every year, week one, this guy goes down with an Achilles or an ACL or a sprained vagina. It's every <coughs> every Dude. year. I mean, so I mean, as great as Peters was, you got to start planning for the future. And I think bringing in this kid from Kansas State, I think that really helps the Eagles start to rebuild that offensive line on the fly because. You can plug him right in there at right tackle, and then when Peters has his yearly injury, slide him right over to left tackle and go from there. Yep. Makes sense. Well, I mean, I hate the way you said it, but I, I like that. I mean, this is definitely <laughs> a Philly-style move. You know, not they usually don't go for the big, hot names in the first round. I mean, once being an exception, but um, I like it. So, moving on to the Colts. Again, another team that needs, uh, you know, some some defensive help. I mean, they came on strong. They had glimpses where I think, you know, the first six or seven games fantasy wise, it was it was play whoever you have that was playing against uh, Indianapolis. They did grow a little bit through the season, but they still certainly have some needs in that direction uh, as well as offensive line. So, what do you got for the Colts? All right, so I have the Colts taking Dexter Lawrence here, interior lineman from uh, Clemson. So. One of the biggest surprises last year was Indianapolis's defense's ability to actually play defense. We were just expecting them to go out there and just be, you know, as terrible as they've been in the past. Dexter Lawrence is the kind of guy that's going to be able to free up that solid young linebacking core. He's going to be able to create pressure up the middle. Like, he's a true defensive tackle in every sense of the word. He's tall. He's heavy. He's long. He can get in there. He could tie up two guys at once. Wow, this is sounding really weird. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I do like Dexter Lawrence game transitioning to the NFL. So, I, I have the Colts taking him to shore up that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, really, I, I don't know. Again, another team that could they use a wide receiver? Sure. Could they 
I mean, they did just sign Funches, so maybe they don't need a wide receiver. Um, and they do have a couple of young guys. There's this guy named Deion Kane who I like. I think uh, I, I'm curious to see if he does anything in that offense. You're not going to fill. You're not going to fill all your all your needs in day one. It's right, just exactly. not going to happen. It's just you know, honestly, the I think on the defense side of the ball and the defensive heavy draft, it makes sense just to go with uh, a player that's going to help you out. So I mean, that that makes total sense. Hard to argue anybody else. I feel spot. like when you have a bunch of needs and they're all kind of the same, when it's your pick, you take best available. Gotcha. That's how I would do it, but no one put us in charge. So well, off he, of Indianapolis. Maybe if you could stay sober through an hour and a half podcast, they would. <laughs> it's like an hour and 25 minutes. Anyway, back to Oakland anyway, again. Their, opens up their again. Their next pick, again, this pick coming from Amari Cooper. So this pick, uh, their, their trade to the Cowboys. What do you got for right, their so- third pick? I'm going. I'm going on the opposite side of the ball from Murray Cooper. I'm going with Buda Baker out of uh, Georgia, cornerback. Another guy that kind of got hurt by a subpar uh, combine performance. But I mean, the combine only speaks so much. You've got to watch game tape. Like this kid, when you watch tape, he can ball. Like he is just a player. Like if you're going based solely on his forty time, then guess what? Your team's going to suck. Like you, you need to draft the players that can play the game. Like. The, the underwear Olympics don't say everything. Buda Baker is going to be a, a lockdown corner in this league. You know, is he going to be Jalen Ramsey? No, but he's going to be close. You know, not everybody can be Jalen Ramsey. Not everybody can be Patrick Peterson. But this kid's going to be damn close. He's going to be one of those top-tier defensive backs when he gets into his prime. I can't argue with that. I mean, that's... The, that's... Uh... Next two picks are both in the same division. Who are they going to take? All right, so I got San Diego. And now this is a little bit of a luxury pick for them. Uh, this is another one where it was, for me, I just kind of looked at what you got to do for Phillip Rivers. And I wanted, to t- I wanted to take Noah Fant here. But instead, I went with the guy that I think is the best receiver in the draft, A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss. So I know they have Keenan Allen. He gets hurt all the time. They have Mike Williams. He's a big body red zone threat. They need the guy that can do everything. And A.J. Brown is that guy. He's got speed. He's got great hands. He's got great, ball, he's got great on-ball ability. You know, if there's a part of his game that you could say might be a little tough is him being able to separate the defender from the ball. But A.J. Brown is going to be a very, very, very good receiver in this league for I, I hope a long time. So this is the other end of that um, DK Metcalf thing we were talking about earlier with the Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham. I think that, you know, DK Metcalf got all the headlines. I think A.J. Brown is going to be the better NFL receiver. It's not, I, I like this pick for A.J. Brown, for Phillip Rivers. I mean, the only thing I, I, I can probably put a little ding on San Diego is is being able to keep the 34-year-old upright. Um but you know, if you got a big, yeah, but strong at this, wide receiver I, like that. You, you but at it. this point in the draft, there's not a guy, maybe Eric McCoy, who I have going a couple picks later. But, um, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I just I, I just don't see it for San Diego. All right. So, uh, Mike already teed up the next team, too, so Kansas City. All right. So, Kansas City, you know, it's been well publicized. They lost D4. D4. They lost Justin Houston. 
Um, it's great because we have a guy that should be a top 10 pick fall all the way down to 29. We got Clee Farrell, hmm. the anchor of that Clemson defensive unit. It's been basically a dynasty. If Bama wasn't around, then we'd be talking about this Clemson team as one of the best college football teams in the history of college football. And Clee Farrell has been the heart and anchor of that defense. So I have uh, Kansas City grabbing him to uh, restore that edge rush. Yeah, certainly the space defensively, just in general, the space where Kansas City faltered. You know, they really showed their gaps come the uh, come playoff time. So it's good to see, you know, them thinking about that and hopefully shoring that up through the drafts. Yep. I think if Kansas City ends up with Farrell this, you know, this late in round one, I think they're they're going to be doing backflips. So uh, hopefully he's there for him. Yeah, I, I well, it's it's the funny thing, like Cleve Farrell. Any other year, he'd be the best S rusher, edge rusher in the draft. But there's just so many of them this year. You know, it's like last year with quarterbacks. Like, any other year, any one of those guys that went in the top five would have been the best quarterback in their draft. But they all came out in the same year. So, you know, somebody had to go one. Uh, this year, Cleve Farrell's the guy that falls. You know, last year, Lamar Jackson was a Heisman-winning quarterback that had great numbers all throughout college. Barely went in the first round. It's kind of what's happened to Clee Farrell here. He's a great edge rusher, but he's going up against there's four or five guys, six guys at that position that are slightly, arguably slightly better than him. So, gotcha. All right, almost down the stretch here. Pick thirty. So we're going back actually to Green Bay, their second pick because of a trade to from the Saints. You had them shoring up their offensive line, their first pick that protects Aaron Rodgers. What do they do with their second pick? All right, so um, I screwed this up a little bit when I did my mock. I have them taking another interior lineman. Probably not the best move. But, <laughs> hey, if you're going to shore up your line, shore it up all the way. I have them taking Eric McCoy from uh, Texas A&M, true offensive guard, play a little bit of center. You know, the middle of that line is completely shored up for Aaron Rodgers now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, got to keep the guy upright. Yep. All right. The Rams, another team that they I mean they looked great till they till they had to play New England in the Super Bowl, um, the world's most boring Super Bowl. So, yeah. you know, again, another team that what do you say about a Super Bowl contender that um, you know they got a, good, a lot of good pieces there, but obviously they, they weren't good enough. What do they do to to get themselves back to that spot next year? All right, so they're talking about extending Marcus Peters. Uh, yeah, okay, I believe that. Uh, Akeem Tlaib, eh, whatever. I have them taking the cornerback out of Penn State, Amani. I'm going to try this, but probably going to fail. Arwen Warrie? Uh That's probably how I would say it, Ar- Yeah, so I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but. Amani. From here on out, <laughs> Amanio. <laughs> so this is a guy that he's been moving up very fastly. This was a guy pre-combine you were looking at early round three, and he's shooting up draft boards. Like He had a great combine. Game tape is very good on him, um, and his size and speed really translates to the NFL game. So this is a guy like, – it's tough to find guys on the outside of the defense, and – you know, 
at this point in the draft, are, are you are you set with an older Akeem Tlaib, uh, an unstable Marcus Peters? Both are very injury prone. Uh, both are very suspension prone. Uh, maybe move on from one of them. Put a young kid out there that got a good head on the shoulders, got great game tape, good combine. I, I see this as a good fit for LA. And this is a team. Like, let's be honest, this is a team that doesn't have many holes. No, it, you know when when we were looking at what you know places of need. Really tough for me to see a spot where my top two places of need for them with losing was or three. I would say is corner, safety, and tight end. I mean, honestly, it's pretty wild. It's just a well constructed team, and in such a short amount of time, too. Uh, you know, very impressive. Yeah. All right, that takes us to New England, who actually uh, seemingly on paper has a lot of holes, but, the, you know, Belichick and Brady seem to figure out how to win. They do no every year. What. They have, they have so. holes on paper every year, and every year they're done, and every year they win the Super Bowl, and they suck, and I hate them, and <laughs> Tom Brady just needs to retire and go. Well, I don't, I don't just, interesting not... that you mentioned the word retire because we had some news this week that we didn't really touch on, right? So – Gronk retires. Yo, so. soy fiesta! So the, the man that was effectively a decoy for the last three years is off the field. Yeah, let's, let's just talk about that for a second. His career numbers are great for nine years, for, for 15 years. And he played nine years. Of those nine years, he probably played six. So, like, let's just talk about that. People that want to talk about Gronk's not the best tight end in the history of football, just think about it this way. All of his career numbers came in six years. They're talking about, well, yeah, well, he didn't beat Gates and touchdowns. Gates played like 12 years. Oh, Antonio, Antonio Gonzalez played like 37 years. Like, don't give me that shit. Gronk, you know, better to burn out than fade away. And, you know, he – great numbers over an eight- to nine-year career Dude, of which he played maybe six year, six seasons. 79 with. touchdowns, is that right? Yeah. I mean, that is – that's more than Jason Witten. <laughs> you know? I mean – Jason Witten's been playing for the last 30 years. So, I mean, that's it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And and let me tell you something, man. Those touchdowns were not just easy little, you know, lob passes from the five-yard line. I mean, do you remember Gronk taking a freaking pass and just, just, like, bumbling his way into the end zone, just knocking people down on his way? As yeah. If they were, like, little children. There, there is – I don't know if there's ever been a player that's taking, taking as vicious a hit hits on a regular basis as Gronk does. I mean, his scramble, his ability to scramble in the open field was just really wild. I mean... And you look at him, you're like, how is nobody catching him? There's no way that guy that's like 11 feet tall, 740 pounds, and with his big freaking stupid cinder block and you can't, that fast. And you can't call him graceful. I mean, I would never no. say that... that Rob Gronkowski is graceful because he's no, not. No, he's a good, he's a goofy son of a bitch. So, but, you said cinder block hands. I said he's like Mickey Mouse hands, man. Those big white gloves. You know, and he's always wearing those big rugs. white gloves, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Football would just get sucked up inside. But, of him. but I tell you what, you know, if you had him on your fantasy football team uh, six years ago, you were uh, <laughs> you were in pretty good shape in that league. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. So. In honor of Gronk retiring, I have New England taking Noah Font out of uh, te- uh, Tennessee, Iowa. Yeah, you know, like it's funny because I, like I said this before, Iowa has two first first round players. They're both tight ends. 
and they're one and two in their positions. So, yeah. Uh, Noah Font is more of he's not Gronk. Let's put it, he's not this big hulking tight end. He's more the mold of a um, Evan Ingram type type guy. Speed, uh, detached line tight end. He he can block for you. He can block a little for you. He's not going to be the guy that you have in line on fourth and goal to make the key block to seal the edge. But this is another guy, like real soft hands, able to go up and get the ball. He's able to hold off defenders. Uh, no offense. Like, again, this is another guy who would be the number one tight end in, in the draft, but he wasn't even the best tight end on his own team. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. All right. So that's it, guys. That's our uh, That's round one. That was uh, what beautiful. Are you, dude, that was took a long time, right, man? So, but good. A lot of good insight, a lot of good picks. What stands out? Any, any, any less final words about this? Mike, what do you got? You know, it's, again, it's really, really hammering home the point that this, there's just not a lot of fantasy football that we can, we can bring out of this draft um, in the first round, you know, on, on day one. I, I don't know if you're picking number one in a dynasty, uh, a dynasty rookie draft um, at the end of this one. I I still don't think I have a clear cut number one, even after the first round, you know, putting these people on teams. Um, it's possible that I guess it's Josh Jacobs just because, you know, when you, when you look at it, the value of a running back, um, he's going to be going, if he went to the Raiders in this case, he's going to a team that's going to need and use him. Um, so I guess it's a good fit, and that would be good enough to get him going number one. Um, I'm really not that impressed by DK Metcalf, uh, uh, even if he does go to Washington, because I don't know who's throwing him the ball. Is it going to be Colt McCoy? <laughs> I sure <laughs> hope not. You know. Um, so you know, from a fantasy perspective, I think that it's going to be Case Keenum. It's going to be Case Keenum. Yeah. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about Case Keenum. So yeah, I, I honestly. I don't know. I, it's it's going to be rough from a fantasy perspective. I think it's going to be a rough year to to dole all this out. I don't think that means that it's going to be a wasteland in the future. That's not what I'm trying to say. We always end up getting some gems. There's probably going to be uh, a lot of very good fantasy-relevant players come out of this draft as soon as this year. But uh, identifying them is going to be difficult. I think that's the one big takeaway that I take away from this from a fantasy football owner perspective. So as far as fantasy takeaway, uh, if you're looking for dynasty drafts, rookie drafts, you're going to really start paying attention in round three. That's when the guys that are going to be worth value to you are going to start coming off the board. Um, obviously, there's about 20 players between rounds one and two that are draftable. They're the top-notch guys. In past years, you'd have 20 guys in the first round and a half. It's just not that, not that year for you. So, Right. Um, my big thing here is – Kyler Murray holds the key to the draft. You know, How different would this draft be, John, if Kyler Murray goes number one to Arizona? All right, so how many picks in the first round after Kyler Murray goes to Arizona? 31. Every one of them would be different. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I see a what-if going on like we did with uh, Mariota. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is definitely a back-to-the-future DeLorean-type moment. If Kyler Murray ends up going one to Arizona, every single pick afterwards changes. Butterfly effect. And you know what number one does? Kyler Murray going number one does? It makes Dwayne Haskins the most valuable player in the draft, and it makes the 
two through six picks, very, very, very valuable to teams. Teams that maybe shouldn't trade out might look at trading out. You know, you might look at a team like, like the Oakland Raiders might look at it, look and say, hey, we got two other picks in the first round. Yeah. But let's get a first-round pick for next year so we have multiple first-round picks. Yeah, we'll trade back. We'll swap first rounds. We'll still have three picks in the first round, and we'll pick up a first-round next year. New York Giants, we have two first-round picks. We're not sold in the quarterbacks. We'll trade for a first-round pick next year. There's teams that might not be sold on quarterbacks this year that could use Kyler Murray going number one overall to their advantage. And I, last year's draft, there was a lot of movement. This year, I think, is going to trump that. I think it's well, going to be the wild, the, wild west. Look dude. at the movement that we've had in the NFL in the last year. I mean, especially yeah. like last year. Like last this year. is like this is like MLB trade deadline shit. It's, it's pretty it's wild. Crazy. I don't know what yeah. all of a sudden sparked the trading uh, you know, in the community of the NFL. I, I really don't know what the answer to that is. But all of a sudden, these guys are well, you know, you know what the answer to, You know what the answer to it is? Bill Belichick. Teams <laughs> have seen him win with nothing. And they're all right getting rid of these guys and clearing up cap space to sign a bunch of players to contribute. I think the days of teams really relying on one big contract are gone. I think you're going to see these teams follow the model that they want a lot of guys that are team players and not a lot of guys that are me players. Right. Like, I really think that's what's starting to happen. And not to say that like, these guys are – like it's just the way to put it. Like They want a lot of guys to build a team instead of one guy to build a team around. Which is just logical for this type of sport. Yes. But, I, but I also fact – so I think that's true, and I think that's very insightful. And I think the other addition I would make, something we've said a lot already, is just there's, there's big playmaker guys just aren't here. Right? There's a lot of defensive guys, a lot of defensive players coming in. That in and of itself has a huge impact because mm-hmm. right? I know, right, there's not a lot of guys that are sexy to draft, but I'll be mindful of – all right, well, who are the guys not the draft? Your tight ends are now staying home more often. Your running backs may not, you know, they're they're might be blocking more often. So I think there is something to look out from, which is hard to analyze, but you know, it's it's out there. Yeah. All right, fellas. I think that's enough for one night. Um, you know, good good insight here tonight. And uh for those of you guys looking for us, we're going to get the next couple rounds in. We'll get round two to you uh, sometime next week. We'll follow on from there. Um, try to provide that good fantasy insight as best we can with, with a draft class like this. Um, if you guys got, want to hit us up, we're at Hot Seat Podcast 1 on Twitter. Um, Hot Seat FFB Podcast at gmail.com. Send us any questions you have. Uh, thanks, fellas. Talk to you. Later. <laughs>